Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Next week, we're going to see our, we're going to have Nick Tun with us uh, in service. He'll be giving us an update. Oh, he's here this Sunday too. I don't have to make it sound like he only comes once in a while. He's here this morning. Uh, but he'll be sharing as a part of our worship experience next week about going to Japan. He's got the green light, and so he'll be sharing more information with us uh, next Sunday about that. We'll also give you an opportunity to give uh, to help him get launched over into Japan. And uh, Adrian, we did get an update on him. He found out this week where he's headed, and he'll be going to Colorado. And so, uh, yeah, I know, tough. Boy, the... Difficult weather in Colorado, uh, but he'll be in the mountains serving with youth uh, for the next several months. And so remember him in your prayers as we go through. He'll be back in August. Oh, hey, how about Friday night? Come on. Um, It was something special. Can you test to see if that keyboard works for us, Kathy? Oh, that's good, because let me tell you something. At the end of the night, Mr. Robin Gitzel... I thought was going to shoot right out of the tent. I mean, the smoke was rolling off of those keys as he was leading us in worship. But all of our worship leaders, such a phenomenal night. God's presence all over the place. Um, We had 46 cars here, as well as some other people that I heard pulled off at the the road down here to listen to us. Um, And not to us, to listen to what God had in store for them. So this morning, I want to do something a little different. I'd like to give an opportunity this morning uh, to somebody or a few people to give testimony about Friday night specifically. So you had to be here Friday night. Uh, This is not a time for you to share about your kitty cat mittens at home. Uh, This is time to give glory to God. Uh, And if you feel like your life was touched or the experience for Friday night, and if you'd like to share, would you just come up and, and share a testimony with us? It can just be short, but if there's someone here today that just feels like, I just need to share about what God did or what I experienced on Friday night. Is there anybody that would like to share tonight or this morning? I, everybody's scared. I want to wait just a minute in case there is someone. Well, I want to share this with you. Um, there was a night on Friday night. There was a moment where I felt the transition happen, and uh, as we were going through the night, all the worship sets were great. But as Jeremy finished his first song, I told him this this morning, I could tell there was a moment where he just surrendered to God. And you could sense the Spirit fall on him. And as he began his second song in his set, it was just this moment where I truly believe some of you experienced what I've kind of been experiencing the last few months. This hunger that God has for our community and surrounding communities. He is on the move, church. Jesus is on the loose. Would you stand to your feet this morning as we pray and go into worship today? We lift up the name of Jesus in this place today. May your spirit 
never leave. May your wonders never cease. Jesus, on Friday night, we thank you for the amazing time we had with each other, with our community, but most of all, with you. Lord, you spoke a word to Ezekiel thousands of years ago that you would breathe new life into those who are hopeless and dead. Lord, I believe you have started to do something that's greater than what we can comprehend in our own mind. God, you are breathing a fresh breath of air into these dry bones. Lord, this morning I believe that you're going to continue what you started Friday night. But for that to happen, we need to pick up where we left off in worshiping the King. We lift the name of Jesus high in this place. Just cry out to Jesus for a moment, church. Just get a little vocal this morning and lift your praise and worship to the King. Jesus, we worship you. We worship you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords the great healer. Lord, may your spirit move in this place this morning. Do all that you want to do. Accomplish all you want to accomplish. That this morning it is not about the will of man, but Lord, it is about the heart of God. Pour your spirit out as we lift our voices to worship you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Mike, would you lead us in a worship song this morning? Can we proclaim a scripture verse together as the people of God? Will you do that with me today? I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. Amen. Will you do that this morning? These are the days of Elijah. These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and sword, Still we are the voice in the desert crying, preparing the way of the Lord. Behold, he comes riding on the cloud, shining like the sun. Happy trumpet calls to lift your voice. It's year of Jubilee and out of Zion till salvation. Mentioned Ezekiel. Here we go. The days of Ezekiel. These are the days of Ezekiel. The dry bones becoming as flesh. And these are the days of your servant David rebuilding a temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest. The fields are as white in the world, and we are the laborers in your vineyard, declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. 
that the trumpet calls will lift your voice in the year of Jubilee. Out of Zion Hill, salvation comes. You know, there's no God like ours. Our God, Jehovah. There's no God like 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 Jehovah. No God not like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. Behold he comes. Riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. Had the trumpet call, so lift your voice in the year of Jubilee. And out of Zion's hill, salvation. Let's sing it a cappella. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. Had the trumpet call, so lift your voice in the year of Jubilee. And out of Zion till salvation comes. Can we sing that one more time? Behold, he comes. Behold, he comes. Riding like the clouds, shining like the sun. Have the trumpet calls, so lift your voice in the year of Jubilee. And out of Zion till salvation comes let's give God a shout of praise the Bible says clap your hands all ye people shout unto God with a voice of triumph amen Lord amen pastor well you can be seated this morning we're gonna jump right into God's word are you excited to hear what God has to say this morning Whoo, man, I just feel like there's some excitement in the room today. Wow. Well, hey, we're in a series called Just Like Jesus. We want to be able to learn how to do ministry, how to live our life, and how to conduct ourselves like a church, like the church Jesus is calling us to be. One of the things that we've been discussing is the fact that often what we've done in church, what we do today is modeled really by what we've experienced and not necessarily by the Word of God. And so we're digging deeper into Scripture to figure out how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to do ministry, and how we're supposed to be a church. And we want to do it just like Jesus. This morning, we're going to be taking a look at, at three different individuals or groups. So we've got a blind man, the crowd, and the Savior. And instead of doing three points like a typical message would be laid out, we're going to instead have these three categories. We're going to jump back and forth between them today and hopefully learn a little bit about how we can be more like Jesus. To sum it all up today, it's about dealing with a physical condition with the right spiritual outlook. Uh, you can be, be gripped by a physical condition but it can all be changed by your spiritual outlook. How do we perceive what's happening in our life is a powerful thing. Let's take a look in Scripture together this morning in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46. 
Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted the louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. It's like the price is right. Come on down, you're the next contestant. The crowd was cheering. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. If nothing else today, church, if nothing else today, let's see the Savior, and let's follow him down the road. Amen. Amen. So let's start off by giving some important information about the passage of Scripture we just looked at. A large crowd of Passover pilgrims were following Jesus and his disciples to Jericho. And they were about 18 miles from Jerusalem. Because remember, Jesus has an appointment in Jerusalem. There's a date on his calendar he must arrive to be on time because the resurrection will not be held up. So he's on, he's on the clock. He's on this, this schedule to be in Jerusalem. Now, there were actually two cities named Jericho. The first one you might be familiar with in the Old Testament. We read about it in the book of Joshua. The second city was about a mile away from there, and this is where Herod the Great and his successors had built a lavish winter palace, and that's why we see Jericho was a very uh, hot spot at the time. It was someplace that was well known. Now, according to Matthew, there are actually two blind beggars sitting on the roadside, and one of them was named Bartimaeus. We find that this gospel, their story is written but also in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mark and Luke focus their attention on this one individual, probably because Bartimaeus was a little more vocal than the other. But you know, when you're struggling, isn't it true that we, try to, we tend to go towards somebody with the same struggle? And here we find two blind men that are in need of a touch from a Savior. So let's talk about the blind man for a little bit. What was it like to be blind in the days of Jesus? Physical blindness in the biblical period was very common. The suffering of the blind person was made worse by the common belief that any type of affliction that you had this way was due to sin. So jerks were high in quantity, basically. If you had an ailment, if you didn't look the part, if there was something different about you, they labeled you as a sinner. Obviously, this is something you must have done or your parents must have done for you to be this way. Because remember, this is a very religious society, a very religious culture. And so when there was anything that was out of the norm, it was looked at as that individual must have offended God. Because of uh, the severe handicap of a blind person, there was very little opportunity for them to earn a living. A blind man was actually not able to become a priest or be involved in ministry in any way. 
frequently blind men and blind people became beggars because it was the only thing available to them. It makes you stop and think sometimes about the less fortunate in our culture. And sometimes we think, you know, whatever thoughts you might have about them, maybe that's the only thing that they possibly could have found. Because that's where these men were at. Now, there was a high possibility of blind people being mistreated. In fact, there was laws and rules about how you were not able to provoke uh, or mistreat or give wrong directions. There's actually a Jewish law not to give wrong directions to a blind man. I mean, how crazy that you have to have a law about that. That speaks to the human culture, the human condition. We can be mean. And almost no effective treatment was available for anyone that suffered with the disease of the eyes or blindness. There were no antibiotics, no effective surgical procedures, no eyeglasses. So the only thing that any of these individuals had were to seek a miraculous healing. That was the only hope they had to ever be included back into the culture. When you start to understand the background, you start to understand Bartimaeus's passion for reaching out to the Savior because this was his only hope. Bartimaeus's eyes may have not worked, but I'll tell you what, he had some great ears because he could hear about what people were saying about Jesus. He had obviously heard that Jesus and, and what he was doing and how he was transforming lives. This beggar heard that Jesus of Nazareth, the healer, was passing by and he did his best to get his attention so that he had just the opportunity to receive his mercy. Let's look at the crowd for a moment. The crowd tried to silence him. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. The crowd had a larger voice. The crowd had more numbers. And the crowd often seems intimidating. We have an individual that's going to come share a testimony this morning at the end of the message. One of the things that she said to me, I don't like being in front of crowds. Very few people do. It's intimidating. And these people were telling him to, shh. could you imagine if we gave somebody the opportunity to give a testimony and we were telling them, shh, be quiet, don't share. I mean, how that would feel. But Bartimaeus, he was desperate and he would not be deterred. The testimony of what Jesus had done was ringing throughout his heart and it gave him hope. What he had heard about Jesus gave him hope, and it lit a fire in him that could not be contained. Desperate people in search of the Savior, in search of something authentic, won't let the crowd keep them from Jesus. When the crowd said, be quiet, he shouted all the louder. He demonstrated his passion and his heart by, by, by raising his voice as loud as it possibly could be, 
son of David, have mercy on me. And what was the response of the Savior? When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. When Jesus stopped and called for the man, it's interesting that the crowd all of a sudden switched. They turned. Where they were telling him to be quiet, pushing him away, thinking of him not worthy to be bothered with. Once Jesus said, oh, bring him here, the crowd turned. I mean, so easily swayed was the crowd. But it's interesting, it was their own opinion that came first, not the opinion of the Savior. We often think of the crowd as being the world. Oh, the crowd, they hold us back from Jesus. I could preach that this morning. That sounds good. But this was a crowd following Jesus. What happens when we become the crowd? What happens when the church becomes the crowd? What happens when the church becomes so easily swayed from opinion to opinion? What happens when we consult Jesus last? We all remember last summer watching as, as protests turned to riots. Crowds formed. And you know, it only takes a few people to spark a fire and to turn a crowd into a mob. A few people to speak certain things, to rally up, to do something, and all of a sudden, there's a mob mentality. Horrible, horrific things that we saw on TV. It was crazy. But I wonder sometimes if the heart of, of that, what we saw, is not that far away from the heart of the church. Ooh, whoa, pastor, are you serious? Are you kidding me? Over the last year, we faced uncertain times. Crazy things that we've never experienced in our life before. I heard all sorts of religious leaders. I heard all sorts of Christian leaders, of pastors, radio hosts, TV programs, tell us what we're supposed to believe, what we're supposed to do, who we're supposed to be angry at. You know the one thing that I never heard from any of these leaders that are supposed to be following Jesus? How about we ask the Savior what we're supposed to be doing? Not once did I hear it. I heard who we were supposed to be mad at. Because it's so easy for us. It's so much easy, easier for us to get angry at somebody and have an enemy to point at than to sit down and actually press into the presence of God and say, Lord, what are you doing and how would you have me respond to this? And what I think will be so sad is there will come a day when we will all sit before the king and he will ask us, when the world turned upside down in 2020, what did you do and who pressed into my presence to realize that I was at work in the midst of the chaos? 
I think it's going to be a sad day for a lot of people. When we look back, and especially the American church, realizes that we may have lost one of the greatest opportunities to reach our country for Christ because we were too busy listening to the crowd, to the Christian crowd, instead of asking the Savior, God, what do you want to do? What's possible in my life through this period of time? Where could I serve? How could I demonstrate God's grace, mercy, and love when the world is going absolutely crazy bananas? Because it's in the darkest times, the light shines the brightest. And I will stand on that day, and I know that God will say it wasn't perfect. But I'm happy to stand up before God and say, Lord, I did my best to hear your voice, and I know what you said was preach the word and reach the lost, and we took the gospel message to the people the best way we knew how. It may not have been perfect, God, but we tried. We tried. I have no fear of that day, none. None. And I know that I'm not perfect. I know we're not perfect. But I have no regrets how we've led during this period of time. I'll stand up for the gospel any day. And I'm happy to preach it to those who need it. Bartimaeus had to raise his voice above the crowd. Maybe this morning, church, it's time for us to raise our voice beyond the Christian culture. And it's time to lift the name of Jesus. Maybe it's time for us to wear some holes in our jeans and slacks and get on our knees and pray for a mighty move of God. Because I'm going to tell you, that's what changes things. Prayer. Authentic, real Heart pressed into God, prayer changes things. It's when men and women in the Bible pressed into God's presence, God showed up and did amazing things. It was this like Ezekiel in a time that was so desolate when the whole nation felt like the wind had gotten knocked out of them that the picture God gives him is a valley of dry bones with no flesh on these bones whatsoever. And the question God asked what? Was this, can these bones live again? His answer, Ezekiel's answer, only you know, Lord. And then it was God giving this man a vision. Why? Because Ezekiel pressed into God. It was Elijah who in a time where he felt like he was the only person standing up for God. He wasn't. He wasn't, but he felt that way. That when called before those who we would consider his enemies, when called before him in a showdown on Mount Carmel, when they said, you're God or our God, let's see who, who's got it. Let's see who's real. That he prayed and God showed up and sent fire from heaven to light up that altar. Why? Because he pressed in to God. He wasn't listening to the culture, the secular culture or the religious culture. He pressed into Jesus 
Because there's one word of God and it's found in the Bible. It's not found in the bookstores in a bazillion other books. And listen, I'm not against reading other books. I think it's a good thing. But let me tell you, the Bible has got to be the foundation. And we've got a Christian culture that spends more time reading books by all sorts of authors that they don't even know the background of. They quote a couple of scriptures, and all of a sudden we go, this is changing my life. And I'm glad you're reading the book. I'm glad it's enlightening your mind. That's great. But let me ask you something. How much time have you spent reading your Bible versus the books in your collection? Uh-oh. Sorry, I, can we just be real with ourselves? There's got to be more to this. No wonder we feel like we're hungry. We're filling ourselves up like a marshmallow fluff. Not that I'm against marshmallow fluff, okay? For all the people that are peanut butter and marshmallow fluff, can we not eat that anymore? What is pastor saying? No, but look, you've got this big container just full of sugar. There's not anything nutritious in it. And you eat it, guess what? It'll fill you up. But your body is going, I am starving for vitamins and real food. The church today is full of marshmallow fluff. And we got to get some steak and potatoes on the table. Come on. We're wondering why the church is ineffective. It's because we're full of marshmallow fluff. That's not even in my notes, but write that down. You can use it. Bartimaeus then throws off his garments and respond to Jesus. I love it when, when men in the Bible seem to get excited about what Jesus is doing, they lose their clothes. I'm not sure exactly what that means, um, but, but here, I'll explain what it means to you. The fact is, is that remember, Bartimaeus was blind. The garments could have been something that tripped him up as he was trying to get to the Savior. He left everything in that moment behind that could possibly hinder his experience of connecting with the Savior. This morning, church, what might be the things you might just need to drop for a moment? The clothing's not bad. All right, it's not a bad thing to be dressed for church. Let's just admit that. I, thank you for wearing clothes this morning. I appreciate it. Clothes aren't bad. But in the moment, those things were a possibility of him tripping. He could pick up the clothes again after an encounter with the Savior. And see, there are things in our life, we often go, those are bad, never touch them. Great, that's awesome, that'll preach, that's good. But there are also things that are good in our life that we can cling to, that we trip over in the moment, and we miss out on what God has for us. Sometimes, church, we got to be willing to put some things down to be able to spend some time with Jesus so that then we can pick those things up and they're in the right order in our life. Does that make sense? I mean, that's, that is healthy. It's healthy. So what is it that, that's tripping you up this morning? What's the garments that you might need to lay down for a little bit? Maybe, maybe it's, it's what's around you and what people might think of you if, if I... If I if I act a certain way in church, if I raise my hands, what will people think? If I, if I say hallelujah a little bit in church, will people get, what will they think of me? I'll, I'll be a fool. You got to put those clothes down for a minute. What if God doesn't heal me, pastor? Ooh. 
What if I'm the same after all of this? What ifs are dangerous things. They're also powerful things. It depends on what comes after the statement, what if. You're right. Sometimes we pray and we want to see God do something. And sometimes it's so easy for us to limit how God can move. And you're right. I've prayed for people. They've not gotten healed. I've also prayed for people and I've seen them healed. As a youth pastor in Omaha, Nebraska, called in the middle of the night as one of our teenage girls was suffering with an infection in her blood. They actually had to remove a softball size infection out of her body. Her lungs, or her lungs, her kidneys, uh, all of her organs were shutting down. I met our senior pastor and some of our board members at the church. And we prayed like never before in the lobby of that hospital. I'm thinking to myself, I'm brand new in the ministry. And I'm like going to myself, how in the world do I walk through this? And I became desperate. And I took all the boxes, I took God out of all the boxes I had. And I started to pray, God, just do something. I don't know how or what. And you know what happened? A miracle took place. The doctor had come out and said, there's very little chance of her to live. It's probably just a matter of hours. And a couple hours later, she came back and said, I don't know how to explain it, but her, her organs are starting to function. We're coming out of it. It's looking good. That's Jesus. Because he does heal. He just doesn't always work the way we want him to. And when we pray for healing, I believe we pray that God's going to heal you in that moment, in the days and the hours ahead. Sometimes God chooses not to. I, would, I don't have an answer for that. But what I do know this, for those who trust in Jesus, your healing is assured. Whether it is on this plane or the next. We're going to get to heaven. So I want to pray with great faith that God will do something. Because he's going to. His timing is up to him. There is no man in this world who understands God's timing. And somebody who tells me that they do, obviously has not followed Jesus very long. God wants to heal. God wants to restore, and he wants to do things that are amazing that would blow our minds. But we got to be careful, church, not to put him in a box. Sometimes Jesus healed the blind, spit in the ground, wiped it around, put it in their eyes, tell them to go wash. That's nasty. But it's the way he did it. And in this case, he did it very differently. He did it very differently. We're getting ready to close here. Worship team, get ready. You don't have to come back up yet, but just get... Get excited, get anxious to come up here. When Bartimaeus called Jesus Lord, he used the title Rabbani, which means master. The only other person in the gospel who used this was Mary, found in John chapter 20. The beggar twice called out the name, or called the title Son of David. This had a national uh, Messiah title to it. This is something that, that was culturally understood that was the title for the Messiah. 
But the expression of Rabbani was a personal statement of faith. Church, I know what a lot of people say about Jesus. But the question this morning is, what do you really believe about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Not the radio host this morning, not the YouTube pop-up prophet, not your pastor. Who do you believe Jesus is? And what do you believe he can do for your life? In this moment, do you have the faith to reach out and to cry out to Jesus? What did Jesus ask this blind man? Do you remember? Well, that's a funny question because that's what he asked last week to two of his disciples. Their response was what? We want to be in leadership in heaven, God. We want to sit right next to you. This guy just looked at Jesus and said, I want to see. I don't know the story of this man. Maybe he had never seen. Imagine for a moment what he's asking for. What we take for granted every morning, seeing the sunrise and flowers bloom and, and the green grass and blue sky and White snow, or maybe not the white snow, but everything else, right? The beauty of God's kingdom. He may have never seen it. He's interacting in a world with the lights out. And in this moment, where Jesus says, what can I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? He says, I just want to see. It so transformed his life. That what does he do afterwards? He follows Jesus down the road. That's transformational. I'd like to invite one of my good friends up here this morning. Are you ready to hear a testimony this morning? Julie Moore, would you come and share? Because God is on the move. He is loose. He's doing greater things. Julie wants to share with you about what God did for her over the last few weeks. As we've been praying as a church for greater things, God is moving in greater ways. You come right up here. You can have this whole table. I'll put my water bottle out of your way. You do have to use this. Okay. Okay. My story began... January 15th, when I did something incredibly stupid at home, I stood on a chair in my kitchen to hang a curtain, which I'd done so many times. All of a sudden, over I went, and I landed right smack on my right hip. It was a Friday night, and um, I called my chiropractor right away because I figured, I thought, I mean, it definitely hurt, but I thought, well, it can't be broken or anything. I would be in such horrendous pain. I wouldn't be able to get up at all. And so he said, you come in in the morning. So I went in, and he examined me and everything and moved my leg around and, and um, everything. You know, this, does this hurt? Does this hurt? And, and it certainly hurt, but not in certain ways. And so he really figured, too, that it, it was not broken. It was not fractured. And so I just kept having, having appointments and such. 
And um, it took five to six weeks before I could walk at all without an aid. I had to use the same chair that I fell off of to use as a walker to get around the house. And then a few weeks later, I had my weekly appointment with my regular doctor, which I had contacted and told her about this. And, and it was, you know, felt like it was healing along the way. And I had to go for blood work. And so she said, well, how long has it been now for your hip? And I said, it's been three months. And she said, I think we should do some x-rays just in case. And I said, well, okay. So they did that. And then they had to send the x-rays to a um, orthopedic surgeon in Oshkosh to read them. And when he contacted them, he said, no, there is a healing fracture there. And he told my doctor, he said, I would like her to have a CT scan so I can see this all better. And so they made the appointment for the CT scan, which I then had to go to Nina for because they didn't have it around here. And so I went and had that done. And then they made an appointment for me two weeks after that to speak to this surgeon to find out the results. And so I went back for that. And the surgeon, he was, he was wonderful. He was very, very good. And um, he had my pictures up for my CT scan on his computer screen. And he also used a, um, one of the like little skeleton things of a hip to show me. He explained everything to me. And I could tell that this man was not a believer. He was wonderful, and he was just everything. He was wonderful, but I could tell from the way he talked that he was not a believer. And um, he said to me, he said, what you have is a displaced femoral neck fracture of your right hip. And then he said, he said, now, if you would have, if they would have done x-rays and such right afterwards, and he said, and I saw that, he said, you would have been in surgery 24 hours afterwards, because he said it was that bad. And he says, but I look at this, and, and he said, I can't explain it. He said, there has been so much healing. He said, this blows my mind. He said, there's been so much healing here. He said, that never should have happened without surgery. And he says, I just, he says, I can't explain it. He says, I don't know what to tell you. He was tripping over his tongue because he just did not know what, what to say to me. You know, he kept saying, I can't explain it. And he said, yep, this should only take place with surgery. He said, we see this sort of thing extremely seldom. And um, so then I told him, I said, well, let me explain it to you. I said, <laughs> I said, I have been praying my socks off. I said, my family has prayed for me. And I said, I have an awesome, awesome pastor and church family that has prayed for me through all of this. And, and he was wonderful. And, and he smiled and he said, that's great. He says, I'm, I'm so happy for that. It's really good. And his nurse was in there and she just kind of stood there. You know, she didn't, she didn't say anything, you know. And um, so, but he thought that was really nice and everything. And I told him, I said, we have an awesome miracle performing God. I said, there's nothing that is too difficult for him. And I said, I know that he has answered prayers through this trial that I've been going through. And I said, I believe it was his plan to show his power. This was, you know, I, I just believe this is the way he meant it to be. He meant it to be that, that I didn't have an x-ray right away because he wanted to show his power through this. He wanted to show there was no other explanation 
but this miraculous God that we have. This wasn't done by man or medical science. And um, so, so anyway, I was, um, I thought to myself afterwards, I, I thought, I just know that this touched people that day because that nurse, she just stood there. She just, her chin kind of hit the floor. And like I said, the doctor too, even though he was, he was very um, polite about it and everything, I could tell by his reaction that, you know, because I thought, well, if they were gung-ho Christians, they would have been saying, hallelujah, praise God, and all these kind of things, you know. So I, I said a lot of prayers myself afterwards, and, and I just thought, I just know that this whole thing, that he used this, and he touched that doctor and that nurse through this experience, and I just know they're going to go home and they're going to tell their families about it and say, wow, I just, this, this is beyond explanation, you know. So, so that's the whole story. And, and it's just, it's been doing wonderful ever since. Now it's been four months. And um, the doctor's going to have me, the surgeon, I have to go back to Nina in July for new x-rays because he said he just wants to keep an eye on it. But he told me, he says, no, he said, you don't need any surgery now. He says, it's, it's, he said, it's not 100%, but he says, it just is mind-boggling. He said, the healing that's taken place. So, so I, I thank God, and I thank Pastor and Pam and all of you for all the prayers. I'm just so appreciative, and, and I love you all, and I just thank you so much for all the prayers. Thank you. Don't go anywhere yet, Julie. Worship team, if you'd come back. Church, would you stretch out a hand this morning towards Julie? Not 100% yet. That's just more room for God to work. Jesus, our Savior and King. Lord, I thank you for the touch on Julie's life. Lord, we pray for this hip right now in the name of Jesus. What you started, you will see to completion. You do great works, God. Lord, work through Julie's life. What an amazing story. I am, I'm so thankful for the healing. I'm more thankful for the heart transformed through the process. The boldness to witness and to share of your love, grace, and mercy to others. The hardships in this life give us an opportunity for people to see Jesus working through our life. And Lord, we pray that Julie would be a lighthouse on a hill. Let her light shine bright for you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. In my notes, this is what it says. End of service, Holy Spirit. Because I ain't got a plan now. But he does. Church, would you stand to your feet this morning? Inside each and every one of us, there's this place where we wrestle between the flesh and faith. Some days, 
we're just going to be honest. Some days the flesh is greater. But there's always the, the wrestling going on. I would say that Bartimaeus had that wrestling going on in him. Unable to see in total darkness. Just responding to what he has heard. He made a, a, a moment where he pushed down the flesh and raised up the faith inside of him and let out a cry to Jesus. The crowd tried to silence him. He, he shouted all the louder out to the Savior. Then the opportunity to be face to face but still unable to see him. He says, Rabbi and I, this deeply emotional, personal commitment, this is where faith rised up. I want to see. The Gospel of Matthew says that Jesus touched him, and as he touched him, his sight was restored. I believe this morning, if we, are, we can just raise our faith level inside, if we can just, just push down the flesh for a moment, cry out to Jesus, have this personal moment with the Savior, that He'll touch your life this morning. I think back to Jeremy on Friday night in that moment. I can see it in my mind. The moment where he just surrendered and God took over. That moment, church, are we, are we able to just have that moment to just surrender ourselves to the Savior this morning? I just want to wait on the Spirit of God for just a moment. We're always so quick and, and life is so busy. But can we just wait a moment, just maybe raise your hands, just have a personal moment with Jesus? sometimes we think we know so much. But God, I pray for our minds and our hearts just to have a revelation from you. To have a heart like Ezekiel who just goes, I don't know, God. I don't know how, but I believe that you do. God, in our desperateness, we cry out to you this morning. God, you are a healer. And I love your people here this morning. And I pray, God, for your mercy to be stretched out. God, would you touch the bodies that are in this room this morning? In the name of Jesus, I pray for bones to go back to the way that they're meant to be. I pray for minds to be set free. I pray right now for headaches 
that God have, have just been a suffering for so many for so long in the name of Jesus right now. Would you reach out? Would you touch them, Lord God? Would you heal their bodies in the name of Jesus? King of kings, Lord of lords, Savior to all, and my closest friend. We lift your name up in praise and worship in this place. God, we take the fluff out. We just come to you surrendered, abandoned in the name of Jesus. We need you. We need you. We need you, Lord. God, just like you met Elijah on Mount Carmel, God, we call down fire from heaven over our community. Not for us to hog it. God, there are people in our community that need a Savior. Send your fire, Lord. Send your grace. Send your mercy this morning. God, may we never be the same. May your spirits never leave. May your wonders never cease. When we turn away from you, how quickly we forget. But your, your grace take hold of us day by day. May your wonders never cease. Church, this morning, as we close in worship, it's a Bartimaeus moment not about the person on your right or the left in this moment. It is about you engaging with the Savior. I cannot give you what you need this morning. The only one that can is Jesus. And He is here. He is here in this moment. How you choose to respond to Him may very well dictate how you leave this place today. Would you lift your voice to the Savior? Would you worship the King? Would you stretch out your faith? Would you let go of the thing that you need to lay down right now to just grab a hold of what God has for you in this moment? Worship team, would you lead us in the presence of God? Would you help us to raise our voice in unison to the Savior as we connect our heart to His and as God moves and touches people in this place. Dave, could I have that scripture verse up again? As Julie testified, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name. Almost high. Amen.
believe he's here. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. sing that again. You are here, moving in our midst. Amen. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You I just try my best to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, okay? So this isn't in the notes. It's not planned. I'm going to ask Adrian and Nick if you guys would come up here because I just feel like this is what God wants to do. And Nick, I know we're going we're gonna to pray for you again next week. Adrian, I know we prayed for you last week. But just in my mind, I just saw this picture of you guys standing here and us praying for you guys to be sent out from this place. I'm proud of you both. You represent Christ so well. We are proud to be your church. And we will have your backs through this season. And I believe great miracles will flow through your life into the lives of students that you'll be touching this summer and, and under the fall or whenever we get you to Japan. 
but God wants to just put a blessing on you guys today. So guys, would you just stand up here? If we've got a couple of our board members, would you come? Our board, we're going to lay hands on you guys, anoint you for the service that God has, has given to you, the callings that he's placing on your life. Church, would you stretch out a hand this morning? Jesus. In the early days of the church, they would take those who felt called to go on a missionary journey. They would draw them together. The leaders of the church would come together. They would lay hands on them and pray, God, for your fire to be put upon them, your anointing to be upon them for the service that they feel called to. This morning, these two friends who have been on a journey together feel called, and while they are going in separate directions, one to the east and one to the west, Lord, I find that symbolic of, God, what you are going to do through this church in the future. That, God, there will be a fire in this place that will go forth and touch places that we never could have dreamt. Lord, we place our hands upon these two men that, God, your spirit might seal them for the ministry ahead. On Adrian and Nick both, that, God, your spirit would fall upon them. Their passion would excel. Their wisdom would grow beyond their years. God, I pray for the gifts of the spirit to be evident in their life. But, Lord, most of all, that the fruits would be so evident in their life. God, that they would be men of balance and that, Lord, they would be mighty men in your kingdom. There is much to learn, but God, may your grace hold them steadfast in times where they feel like they've gotten themselves into a mess like so many of your mighty men and women do over the years. Lord, that they would be reminded to reach out, to worship you when they find themselves in places that, that are dark and, and dreary, like the times where your disciples found themselves in prison. Lord, may they lift their voices and worship to you, and may you move in great ways. Lord, the doors that seem locked at times in their life, Lord, through their worship, I believe those doors will come open. Lord, provide for them in amazing ways. Lord, set them apart and use them mightily. Lord, we love these men, but not as much as you do. May your blessing be upon them this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. Pastor, do you think we could pray for some other people here today, too? Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe there are people here that might need a miracle. If you need a miracle in your life this morning, and you want to come up for prayer, we would be happy to pray with you. Uh, we'll just stay right up here uh, for those who feel comfortable doing that. And uh, we would just come up to one of us. We would love to pray for you this morning that God would do great things in your life. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness.
through temptation.
watching online you don't have a relationship with our Savior, with Jesus He wants a relationship with you today How does that relationship begin? Well you come to the point of realization that we're broken we got issues and we can't fix ourselves that's, that's called sin we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He came, that He died, that He rose again. And that when we have a relationship with Him and put Him as their King in our life, as our Savior in our life, and start following Him, He can make all the difference in your, in your life. So this morning I'd like to pray for you if you need to start a relationship with Jesus. Lord, we're all sinners, we're broken separation and divide between you but Lord you made a way where there appeared to be no way you came and you put on a flesh suit you walked among us you died a horrible death but death wouldn't keep you down you rose from the grave and because you conquered the grave Lord we're able to have a relationship with you a personal relationship with you God, we love you so much. Lord, come into our life. Save us. Save us from ourselves. Save us from our sin. Lord, guide us. Lord, help us to be the church that you're calling us to be. Help us to impact our community. Lord, we thank you this morning for the opportunity we've had in church to be here with you today. If you started that, if you said that prayer in your heart, welcome to the family of God. We would love to resource you as a church, build relationship with you. I want to tell you this morning that you can be filled by God, refreshed by God, 
and still be exhausted. Maybe that's what church should be. I don't know about you. I'm ready for a nap. (laughs) But God is good. He's awesome and he's faithful. I love you so much, church. What an amazing weekend we've had. And the best is still to come. Mike, would you pray over our offering as we dismiss today? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to give a portion back to you of what you have already given to us. For you are the giver of every good and perfect gift which comes from above. Lord, and we pray you would bless your people as they give. For you said, give, and it shall be given unto you. Press down, good measure, shall God give in unto you there's a box out in the foyer I believe that uh, is still in use and uh, we'd just like to close with this song we fall down you may feel uh, that you are dismissed this, this time or else if you'd like to stay and worship with us for a few minutes it's called we fall down we fall down we Yeah.
grace of God, keeping your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus.